I may proclaim to you the word of our God as we read that, and we'll pay particular attention to 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. These words, we love him because he first loved us. And that is also the theme for the sermon. And after the sermon, we will sing Psalm 116, the stanzas 1, 7, and 10. Dear brothers and sisters, in our Lord Jesus Christ, some of you may recall a nursery rhyme that went something like this. What are little boys made of? What are little boys made of? Frogs and snails and puppy dogs' tails. That's what little boys are made of. What are little girls made of? What are little girls made of? Sugar and spice and all things nice. That's what little girls are made of. Now, in this first letter of John, we are not presented with some nursery rhyme, but we're confronted with the question, what are little Christians made of? What are teenage Christians made of and adult Christians made of? Are we made of ribbons and laces and sweet, pretty faces? Or is there something more substantial to us than that? If you, three, if you read through this letter in one sitting, you will come across three important words. And those words take us to the heart of who we are. The first word is no. And the second word is love. And the third word is truth. And at some point, you will do well to go through this book and perhaps even underline every time you find those three words. These words are woven together into one. And here's a sample of how that works within this book. In chapter 2, verse 3, the apostle says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. And in chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, he says, This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And in chapter 3, verse 16, John takes the strand of what we know and he weaves in love. This is how we know what love is, he says. Jesus Christ lay down his life for us. And then a few verses later, 
It says in chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, he takes, the, takes love and knowing and he ties them together with truth. And he says, little children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. So knowledge, truth, and love, they're plated together so closely that they cannot be separated. To know Christ and to love Christ. These are truths that take us to the heart of who we are. Now this morning we will take one of those ingredients and focus on what the Apostle says to us regarding love. What are Christians made of? They're made of love. Yes, the essence of our life as children of God is love. But what is this love? Love, as defined in the Bible and found here in this Bible book of John, is known to be a sacrificial commitment to the good of the other. And for that love to flourish and to grow, you need to plant it in the right soil. And that is why the Lord has placed you in a relationship with himself and with each other. In a covenant relationship, the good of the relationship takes precedence over the immediate needs of the individual. And that's the way we need to function in relationships as people of God, wherever we interact or wherever we are called to interact, be that at home, in the education of our children, in church activities, in our marriage. If you put your own needs first, the relationship will wilt and die. So the covenant relationship serves like a fence around a garden, keeping out unwanted predators. Now to think about love in this way has its challenges. So many people are not prepared to stay in any relationship for the long haul. And that's because they're only thinking about themselves. They have friendships, enter relationships with others, because they are needy. Such people stay connected to their so-called friends for as long as those friends meet their needs and as long as the relationship is profitable for them. They suck the life out of friendships and relationships rather than feeding and nurturing it. And if the people they associate with do not approve of what they are doing and do not fill their needs in the way they want, they bail out. Brothers and sisters, the Bible is a book of love. 
because it speaks about the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church. And it is clear throughout all of Scripture that love is to characterize all our relationships. We have not been placed on this planet for ourselves, but to seek the good of others in marriage, in family life, and in the church. And that's hard because our inclination is to do the opposite, to hate. And hate means to push people away and out of our lives. Now, the letter of 1 John elaborates on our calling to love and does so in some detail. The main point of the section that we read this morning is the call to love each other. Our responsibility to love one another finds its roots in the fact that God loved us first. We love because He first loved us. Our love is a reflection and a mirror of who God is. Our love flows forth from and finds its source in God. Now, what does that mean? First of all, it means that our love for God and each other is not the result of our effort or the goodness of our hearts. The text does not say we love because we are such loving people. But we love because he first loved us. And secondly, we do not love because we feel obliged to do so. Of course, we realize that it is our duty to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the first reason why you love is because the Lord has won your heart and your affections through the Holy Spirit. Your affections are on him because he has shown his affections to you. The mighty depths of his love captured our hearts. And thirdly, our love for God and one another is not the result of effort, nor does it arise from a sense of obligation, but it finds its source in what we know and in what we believe. We know the love God has for us. As the little children already learned to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. We love because he first loved us. He chose us. He redeemed us. He pardoned us. He placed us in union with his person and work. Brothers and sisters, the story of God's love is written all over human history. He sent his son as a sacrifice for sin. The son of God came down from heaven because of his immense love for his sheep. Christ humbled himself. He emptied himself of all his heavenly glory and splendor. Why? For us. 
because in his love he was sacrificing himself, surrendering himself for us. He gave us everything so that we in return might love God and be restored to our living relationship with him and with one another. This morning's text presents to us such a profound and blessed message. In a desperate world that is so messed up with war, civil strife, self-centeredness, envy, and hatred, God sends His Son, Jesus Christ, in an extreme display of love. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Yes, God is love. Love issues from His very nature. But understand well that His love works in cooperation with His justice, wrath, and judgment. It isn't some flighty or mushy emotionalism. Where do you see the greatest display of God's judgment? At the cross. He poured out His wrath against sin on His own Son. And at that same cross, you also see the deepest expression of His love for sinners. His love explains why He sent His Son into this world. Because love seeks to save, to provide a remedy, to restore, to renew and to heal broken relationships. Oh, the love of God is such a force to be reckoned with. Think of how tremendously powerful the love of God is. The love of God for His church is so strong that when death and hell stood up against it, they were driven away. All our sins close the door to God. But the love of God removes every barrier so that we can enter in through the gates and come before the Lord and be in His presence. There is nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. In His person and work, the Lord Jesus defines what true love is. He showed us what love must be willing to do to surrender and deny oneself for the sake of the other. And his love was so strong that he was willing to die for us, to save us from eternal perdition. So there you have it. We love because he first loved us. And notice the wording. So much is packaged in that short phrase. The Apostle John does not exhort us to love because God loved us first. He doesn't exhort, but he states it as a fact. We love 
Because God loved us first. That's something we do. You see, when the love of God touches your heart, you will love. Loving is a characteristic of Christian maturity. The more we grow in the knowledge and grace of Christ, the more we will love. You have been placed in the communion of God's people as a direct result of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. And such love means that we are committed and we are loyal to each other in the same way God shows his love to us. In a Christian relationship, be that in church life, family life, marriage or friendships, such love is not a mile wide and an inch deep. It is deeply rooted in God's love. You love because of a divine intervention that has happened in your life. The love of God has been poured into your hearts. Brothers and sisters, you need to take hold of these words and apply them in a meaningful way in your personal life. What you need to take away from here this morning is this. The Lord Jesus has taken hold of my life. And that is why I am to love God and my neighbor in a very real and meaningful way. We love because he first loved us. And that should never cease to amaze us. Oh, the love of God already has a huge impact on our lives. Where would I be? If Jesus did not show his love, where would I be if God had not reached down into my life? And knowing that God loves us brings sanity to our experience, cohesion to our families, and significance to our lives. Every day we need to take hold of this, this blessed truth. We love because he first loved us. If the Lord did not come into our lives, we would have remained on a path of hatred. And the display of God's love came at a great cost. Jesus Christ died for us and he sends his spirit so that this love takes hold of our lives. Christ teaches you to know love by the deeds he performed in the past on your and my behalf. He teaches you to know love by what he is committed to do for you in the present. No matter how much grief we cause him and how much hurt we create, he is committed to us. He does not forsake us when the going gets rough. God has never looked on us as his project or as a difficult problem that he needs to solve or fix. No, he sent his son as a sacrifice for sin. The Son of God came down from heaven because of his immense love for his sheep. 
Christ humbled himself. He emptied himself of all his heavenly glory and splendor. He gave us everything so that we in return might love God and be restored to a living relationship with him and with one another. We love because he first loved us. And when we love as God would have us love, in deeds and in truth, we will come to see that God has a higher goal for our relationships than our personal happiness. We love because he first loved us. Seven words. And when these seven words take hold of your hearts, the implications are huge. And let's take a moment to examine the seven implications that come forth from these words. And then we'll wrap things up. We love because he first loved us. Number one, you will be devoted to each other and promise mutual love. That's the first implication. You love each other because he first loved us. And that's the point of the Apostle Paul, Apostle John that he makes in this passage. In 1 John 4, verse 7, he writes, Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loved has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So love is the glue that will keep us loyal to each other through joy and sorrow, through thick and thin. Number two, knowing that God loved us first, we are called to radical love. You are committed to God and to each other. 1 John 4 verse 9 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. Jesus died so that we might live. And that, brothers and sisters, is radical love. God gave himself completely, sending his Son in the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me in order that we should never be forsaken by God? Yes, God is committed to us throughout the days of our lives. And that is the way you are to love each other as members of Christ's church. You are to be true to each other. Not only when things are going well and everybody can have a, a happy smile on their faces, but it's for good days and bad, in health and sickness. That's radical love. Number three, and this is closely linked to what I just said about radical love. 
True love that is based on the redeeming love of God is loyal. Loyal love does not want out and does not pack up and leave the moment the sea of life gets stormy and rough. You're fooling yourself if you think things will be calmer outside the sea of the ship, outside the ship of the church. Those who are controlled by the example of God's love do not run away from problems, but work through them and seek the healing power of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 4 verse 10 says, This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as the atoning sacrifice for sin. That's loyal love. He did not love us because we were without sin. He came to make atonement for sin. Read through the book of Hosea, which is a book that highlights how unfaithful God's people had been and continue to be, but at the same time showed redeeming love in that God was loyal to His people. We love because He first loved us. He sticks with us. And when your love is loyal, you will not have competing agendas in your marriage, your family life, or wherever God places you because you are standing on the same side, following Christ's agenda and not your own. Number four. The fourth implication of what our text states is that your love will be genuine. And genuine love searches for the needs of others and seeks opportunities to meet those needs. The focus of genuine love isn't receiving, but giving. Verse 11 of 1 John 4 says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God's love was completely genuine. Well, you are to love in the same manner. And when you receive genuine love from fellow members, that is bound to be one of the most powerful motivating forces in your life. And what goes around will come around. The first step in developing genuine love is to begin valuing your brother or sister in the Lord as God does. And to see him and to see her as God sees them. It's committing yourself to care for others because he or she is worthwhile and because God cares a great deal about him or her. So much so that the Lord Jesus gave his life for his or her eternal well-being. And then the fifth implication. 
when I understand that I am to love because he first loved us, I will exemplify humble love. And that, brothers and sisters, will slay my self-centeredness. Verse 20 of 1 John 4. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. Hatred pushes another person out of your life. And that is what self-centeredness does. And that is why it is an enemy, if not the number one enemy of congregational life, of family relationships, and of every marriage. Self-centeredness creates havoc. And if it is not treated properly, it will eat away at your relationship like a cancer. Throughout the Bible, we are shown that love is the very opposite of self-seeking. Self-centeredness leads to impatience, irritability, a lack of graciousness and kindness in speech. It keeps past injuries and hurts the life. Self-centeredness blinds you to your own lack of love and the result is always a downward spiral into self-pity and anger and despair as the relationship gets eaten away to nothing. But when the, when the gospel of God's love is brought home to your heart, you will humble yourself and seek to serve your spouse with genuine unconditional love. When you seek to serve each other in love rather than to pursue your own personal happiness, you will find a new and deeper happiness, a joy that is much more profound. When you love as God loves, you will reach out to others beyond the circle of your family and your friends. And number six, we love because he first loved us. And so our hearts are filled with compassionate love, compassion and kindness for each other. And that means that we get rid of a critical, censorious and harsh spirit. Think of the compassion the Lord showed us in his love. He showed mercy to those troubled by their sins. He showed compassion to the downtrodden and the brokenhearted. And the attitude he exemplified needs to be reflected in how we respect and honor each other and how we treat and reach out to those in need. And number seven, Seventh implication is that we are filled with obedient love because love does have boundaries. We are unloving when we step outside those boundaries. You don't really love if you go your own way and lead someone else into sin. We serve each other within the confines of truth the truth of God's word. We seek to follow the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord in our call to love. 
so we don't write up our own definition of love. Our love for each other is defined for us on the pages of Scripture. Listen, for example, to the familiar words of 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And when we are overwhelmed by God's love for us, these things will be part and parcel of our lives. This is how God's love reaches maturity and is completed in us. Brothers and sisters, delight and luxuriate in God's love. Place your affections on Him, for that is bound to have a deep and profound effect on your whole life. You are to love in a way that secular society does not know. You belong to that assembly of those born of God where the Spirit dwells and works love. You are to be mature in your acts of love so that others may see that the love of God rules your hearts, which means hitting the delete button to all those things that encourage selfishness. God's love is to mature in your life. And so let the motto of your life be the words of our text. We love because he first loved us. Keep those words front and center, both in good times and bad. True love gets you out of your shell and makes you a vibrant part of God's people. United in love, you will use your time and your energy and your talents and your gifts for the benefit of others. This morning we are together because we love each other. We love God and we love one another. And we celebrate this love. Mutual, radical, loyal, genuine, humble, compassionate, and obedient love. Thank God for this day. Recognize his loving hand. You love because he first loved you. Amen.